Hello, you're listening to Linguistically Aware. My name is Dusha Nikolic, and I'm the host of this wonderful podcast. Today, I sat down with Dr. Stephen Winters, and we talked about the ways human voices are produced and perceived, what the voice qualities there are, and why Adele should have a voice she had despite losing a lot of weight. We debunked some myths and we chatted about our passion for phonetics, a branch of linguistics that studies the way speech is produced and perceived. Dr. Stephen Winters is an assistant professor of linguistics at the University of Calgary, where he teaches linguistic courses such as phonetics, quantitative methods in linguistics, varieties of English, and other. Steve is also my supervisor, a role model, and a person I learned a lot from over the past four years. And I hope that you will learn a tiny fraction of it as well in this awesome episode. And listen carefully, just like a phonetician would. Before you tune in to our conversation, and before you listen to some awesome music that I'm going to play today for you, it is essential to acknowledge that this is CGSW 90.9 FM radio station broadcasting on the traditional territories of all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 of Southern Alberta. So what does the example theory tell us about the ways we memorize voices? I remember that uh, even though if we not we do not hear voice or voices for a very long time, period of time, we can still memorize them. We still remember uh, the way people sounded. And uh, that has been proven in the research. Uh, what do you think about that? Is Are there any comments on that with respect to the exemplar theory uh, principles? Yeah, well, that would sort of facilitate the possibility of that happening, I guess, is if you can store those specific exemplars in memory, uh, then you should be able to, like, find a match better that way i think it's likely that some people are better than at that than others because memory skills differ in, mm-hmm. across individuals uh but yeah that's that's part of the idea is that you have specific memories of specific experiences including what a specific voice sounds like mm-hmm. i think i was going to say as well um with the prototype uh issue like in, you mentioned andre the giant as well so i kind of yeah play him maybe maybe as a prototypical male voice but also sort of like andre the giant is so big and his voice is so low in sort of both the source and filter dimensions that he kind of like is beyond the prototype sort of you know um for a male voice uh so but not every male sounds like andre the giant not every male has to sound like andre the giant to sound like a male anyways right uh, there's a lot of room in between for there to be sort of fuzziness uh, and also individual variation there too. No, no, yeah, I understand completely. But that that's um, that reminds me of the cardinal vowels. <laughs> Sounds like uh, Andrew the Giant's uh, Andrew, Andrew the Giant could be a, a cardinal vowel <laughs> in terms of uh, voice quality, right? Yeah, or at least one uh, end of the spectrum. Yeah, uh, like a cardinal speaker. A cardinal speaker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can. Uh, you know, judge based on on, on his uh, quality the the rest yeah the rest of us right? <laughs> or the rest of it's eighty percent Andre for that voice eighty <laughs> percent yeah, yeah. Uh, okay great um, so yeah I do have some um, I I do have a popular example actually okay we we don't have to go back to uh, Andre the Giant and uh, 
Julia Child, oh, who I'm mentioning for <laughs> the tenth time. But uh, we can uh, go to Adele. Uh, there were recent recent news that I've read. And maybe we can debunk this myth. Uh, this myth. Uh, so I've read somewhere that people are um, wondering why Adele, the singer, uh, you probably you, you know her. Yes. Uh, so she lost her a lot of weight, right? And uh, people are wondering why her voice is still uh, the same, <laughs> amazing or awesome, uh, whatever. Uh, they want to describe it so they're wondering why the voice remained the same when she lost a lot of weight is that that something that uh, is un- not characteristic or is just a myth that you need to have a different voice that you don't have a maybe such a strong voice when you lose weight or when you gain gain weight you or you're i don't know sounding you can sound like opera uh singer <laughs> yeah well i think that's there's sort of that's not a prototype but more of like a stereotype that you yeah, know yeah. you know it's all over until the fat lady sings that sort of idea right that yeah. uh in opera the the female sopranos tend to be heavier and the idea i guess is that that allows them to project their voice better if they have sort of more yeah. mass with which to you know exhale or whatever they're singing on right the the thing is that uh these sort of fundamental physiological like structures that you use to actually speak there they don't depend on how much fat or weight you have really mm-hmm. so like if adele uh loses some weight it's not going to change the shape or length of her vocal folds or the shape or length of her vocal tract mm-hmm. either um and in fact it's not going to shape like how she plans her articulations either right how she like yeah. actually says the stylistic way in which she speaks or sings uh, so there's no reason, there's really no con- connection to be made there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can imagine, you know, you might think uh, in terms of like lung capacity or something like that. Uh, maybe if you had bigger lungs, you might be able to sing louder or longer. Like in the old days, opera singing, and I think opera singing is still like this. It's not amplified, right? So they actually have to project to a whole auditorium. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Adele could do that too, even though she probably normally sings amplified. But um you know, it's, I guess I would say I've read the music, some of the music literature on like voice training, that sort of thing. And they use a lot of terms that uh, we don't use in phonetic sciences because they don't really match yeah. up to anything we know about how you actually produce speech. So the those terms are kind of funny. Like t- they talk about like chest voice and head voice and that sort of thing as well. And, yeah. you know, maybe you have a sense when you're, when you're singing low, you might have more of a chest voice, something down here and yeah head voice you're i'm I'm not going to sing a high note but you know maybe you think the the sound is more there so you know if that sort of those sort of imaginary qualities help you get the right note out or the right sound out then they work right but yeah for the most part that's not there's not a lot of science behind that yeah um yeah i hear vocalists do that uh mentioning some chest voice or head voice and that that's when i heard for the first time those expressions because these are not regular in phonetics mm-hmm. and in uh, the science of yeah speech articulation uh so um yeah um and yeah i remember they criticizing the actors who uh, acted in uh, uh les miserables like hugh jackman and uh, i don't know i can't remember the names of the rest but yeah 
because of singing uh, poorly, um, while also acting, right? Um, and that's 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 tough. I uh, do have um, maybe a couple of more questions. Um, you use some interesting examples, um, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, yeah, I. Sorry about it. So you use some interesting examples uh, during your classes in uh, phonetics. You use some props uh, for showing um, different um, phenomena. I guess um, one of the props that you're using is frisbee. <laughs> Another uh, prop that you're using are matches and a bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> um <laughs> Can All you... my favorite things wrapped up in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is that a reason why? No. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you uh, give us uh, some some example why are you why you are using these? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> you know. Besides me, they're they're being a great teaching technique. Right? Yeah. The um, I think it's mostly just uh, the teaching technique part of it. But say yeah. with the match, that's a a demo that I got from somebody else. The other two are ones I just thought of somewhere along the way but when i took intro linguistics they talked about the difference between aspirated and, un- and unaspirated stops yeah so, that, that would be nice to explain to the listeners i guess many english speakers don't know about that yeah yeah <laughs> I, I would say any english speaker who's not taking linguistics yeah. probably doesn't know about it yeah. but a p uh, is an aspirated stop and a b is an unaspirated stop um, so they, there's a simple way to like verify this, which is if you put your hand up in front of your, your mouth when you're speaking, maybe you can hear that over the recording. But uh, when you say a P, you should feel some air hitting your, the palm of your hand. When you say a B, you don't get the same amount of air hitting your hand. Um, so what I do is I just light a match and I say I'm going to say a B and then a P. Uh, and I put the match in front of my mouth. And when I say the B, the match stays lit. And then when I say the P, it goes out. So it's just a nice little dramatic flourish yeah. to like show people what's going on because people don't perceive that distinction. It's it's one of those interesting things about language is that you yeah. produce things, you know how to do things that you don't perceive in yourself. So that's just one example of that. Yeah, I think uh, I think you reminded me of a very important question that I'm going to ask you in a minute. Is and that's uh, the that's why why did you choose phonetics <laughs> i i mean for me that was one of the reasons why I, um why i want to learn more about it and the reason is because there is this um language side of it uh an abstract side of it and there is this tangible side of it uh you can almost feel it you can feel the aspiration for example you can measure the um the formants of the voice like you can measure the you can show a waveform to to people and say this is this is speech right so that that is something that we can um we can put in numbers and uh, that's what i like about it but what why did you uh start um your journey <laughs> and you know still on on this journey of phonetics yeah um well you mentioned a lot of good reasons uh the sort of like phonetics is kind of where language the rubber meets the road basically so when you actually put language into reality it turns out to be phonetics that's at least the the surface side of it and the surface details are interesting because they interact with other domains 
of the intellectual world, like, you know, physics, which I like quite a bit, uh, or, or math, which I like quite a bit as well. Right. So yeah. there's, I mean, in a sense, choosing phonetics meant that I didn't necessarily have to choose this one thing, but yeah. I could bring all these different interests into play. Right. Uh, which, you know, also get, you know, like I play a lot of ultimate Frisbee. So I figured out a way to incorporate Frisbee into phonetics too. Just so it's a nice example of the Bernoulli effect, yeah. uh, or not, not the Bernoulli effect, but, um, the, sorry. Boyle's, uh, law. No, it is the, sorry. No, it, 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 it is the Bernoulli effect. Yeah. Phonetics. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know what I'm talking about. Anyways, no, no. You, you do, you do. Definitely. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, ultimately I think I was in my last year of college mm-hmm. and, uh, as I went to the linguistics advisor and said, I want to apply to grad school. Like, how's that work? And he's like, well, you got to choose the subfield. And I was like, okay, I'll choose, <laughs> I'll choose phonetics. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, um, it's, yeah, it's nice when things are not as abstract as like syntax, I guess, at least I found that more appealing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you do that, get that kind of balance between like theory and observable, observable fact. Right. Yeah. You know, we can actually measure things and see if they square up with our, you know, presuppositions about how they work, which again, not to hammer on the exemplar side too much, but the exemplar theory of speech perception is nice because it's testable in mm-hmm. a relatively straightforward way. Like other theories of speech perception are just sort of like stories you tell about how the process works. But with exemplar theories, you can build a model. And this is the computational side that I like and say, like, feed it a some memories and categorization categorizations and see if they can actually categorize new experiences in the same way. Um, yeah. So all that just is part of the fun for me, I guess. I'm 
I guess I could ask you why why you chose phonetics, Dushan. <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned a lot of the reasons, um, and one of the, one of the reasons was the acoustic phonetics. Uh, that's uh, the part of phonetics that I uh, really uh, enjoy. I mean, I enjoy all of all of these perceptual phonetics as well, but acoustic phonetics maybe the most because of the fact that you can um, you can explain why we are producing vowels, for example, as such, just uh, by measuring the, um, the you know, the, the form and frequencies, or just the frequencies, I'll put this simply. Uh, and um, you plot this into a uh, chart and explain that this is basically your vocal tract and that simplified this that's what we're doing right so yeah i think um at one point i was doing uh, i was doing some research on on the how uh english speakers american english speakers produced and i found in serbia two english speakers at the time two american speakers um which is fascinating right <laughs> um in my city, so I, they produced some vowels for me. They, they read a story. I think that it was the the famous story, the popular story that you read when you want to explore vowels. Uh, the boy who cried wolf, um, uh, and I compared those to the ways uh, Serbian speakers said it. So that was fun for me. That was really, really I, I enjoyed that, and um, yeah, I didn't know. I, I could do those things, <laughs> so that was fun. Um, and phonetics is generally uh, really, um, I think, one of the most interesting branches of linguistics, to be honest. But that's my subjective opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to have a good time teaching phonetics. That helps a lot too, right? Oh so yeah, you can do these various demos and whatnot. And you know, it's funny. Uh, I'll mention. There's a somewhat controversial linguist out there named Daniel Everett. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's this guy who went to like South America and found a tribe, the Piraha, and said that they don't follow like these universal, supposedly universal like parameters and principles of how grammar works. Uh, and so, you know, he's made a lot of fans and a lot of enemies for that reason. But like one thing I remember seeing him say like on Facebook uh, was that, you know, Linguistics is not a science because you can't replicate the findings of things like syntax. Like if you approach a language from scratch and just try to figure out how the syntax is working, you're not going to get the same result twice. And I'm just like, well, I do the same little demos in phonetics every year and they always work out Yeah, basically the same way. So, I mean, 
yeah, setting syntax aside, uh, I will say I disagree with Daniel Everett. Uh, mm-hmm. And more generally than that, I like I like science and I like the fact that phonetics behaves like a science, at least in that respect, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was my question to you, uh, or at least something that I want to ask, is uh, why do you like science? Um, <laughs> science that's not... Uh, humanistic <laughs> so it doesn't belong to uh for example faculty of arts um how did you you know how did you start uh, uh asking some questions such as uh i don't know questions about physics and uh, and boyle's law that's in there in your in your uh, lectures and bernoulli's bernoulli effect or um Or how did you, you know, you, you are also teaching stats course, uh, at least qualitative, oh, no, quantitative methods, sorry, for uh, uh, data analysis for linguists. So that's some, that, that side of your research is different from uh, theoretical linguistics, or at least from some of the researchers who are doing theoretical linguistics. Why is that? Why is that so? How did you uh, start, you know? Uh, I mean, I don't know, like going back uh, to like my high school days, I discovered linguistics mm-hmm. in the library. I just like started taking foreign languages and like everybody comes to linguistics a different way. And yeah. uh, mine happened to, you know, occur when I was 14 years old and I started taking German as a foreign language, the first foreign language I learned. And I just, I love the, the paradigms and the structure and all that. And I just wanted to learn as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I went to the library and just started reading through grammars in of other foreign languages to learn as many as I could just like, you know, 14 year old, like inspiration doesn't last forever. But like in yeah. the part of that process, I discovered like textbooks on linguistics. And, um, that's like, I, like, that's what I want to study. because it's, you know, it's not just one language. It's kind of the universal features of all languages. Um, and you know, physics is a little bit similar. So actually the year before I was interested in linguistics, I was really interested in astronomy. I mean, but at the extent that I was, you know, a teenager is more just, stargazing right oh look yeah i can identify where the planets are and you know here are the constellations and like oh, i can learn a little bit about the messier objects that sort of thing yeah. so uh you know i'm like things that are rule-based and orderly it's nice mm-hmm. to, when you know the pieces of the puzzle fit together and that you know applies to both physics and linguistics and in both cases you know there's still open questions not we haven't gotten the whole universe to make sense yet so yeah. there's still work to be done uh and i'm choosing to do it in linguistics but all the things i learned about physics along the way they contribute right because like i said earlier linguistics is not just a self-contained thing it's part of every human de- endeavor and it makes connections with all sorts of other fields so yeah. why not make those connections for my students apparent so yeah no no i i understand completely that's that's nice and uh you are a big baseball fan i think <laughs> uh, uh yeah I don't want to say uh, baseball nerd, but <laughs> no, uh, I am for sure. I'm, I'm a sports nerd. <laughs> a sports nerd. I'm yeah. kind of a prototypical one. Yeah. So and and you do. I mean, uh, at least for, from what I know, you uh, analyze some data or at least uh, collect some data on baseball. Yeah, I haven't done that since uh, since COVID hit, um, just because the world got topsy turvy. But uh, yeah, I have my own sort of paradigm for baseball statistics. Uh, And there's a website, basesproduced.com, if you want to check it out. But I haven't updated it in a couple of years. But, yeah, I mean, that's also kind of just trying to make the pieces of the puzzle fit. 
um, for baseball, which in general they they don't. Um, but you know, I came up with that paradigm over 20 years ago, actually 1998, uh, never published it to the extent that I want to, but, um, in the world of baseball stats has changed since then. People have become much more quantitative in general and are less like focused on the events of the game, but it's, you know, it's a system that I like to sort of work on because I know I'm the only person working on it. And there are, uh, there are a few fans out there. I, they contact me every once in a while. So, uh, I like to keep it going for that reason. But, um, yeah, it's just a, a way to enjoy the game a little more fully for me, I guess. Yeah, no, no, that's great. I thought uh, I thought there were many people who did that, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Well, that's based on what I saw from the movie Moneyball. I, I'm not really. I there are many people who do saber metrics or baseball analysis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I actually, I've made friends over the years with a guy who. Uh, who works with pitchers mostly on the West coast and like he coaches them for how to pitch in a like very analytical and uh, intelligent way. And, you know, they do very well and he makes a lot of money doing it. Uh, my, my stats are not applied like that. They're just, here's what happened in the game and here's a way to organize it okay. in a way that sort of, sort of shows the commonalities amongst otherwise different stats. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. We talked about the, voice qualities, we talked about many uh, aspects of phonetics and we talked about why we like phonetics, why it's passionate for us. Um, For the end of this podcast, I'd like to ask you one question. Why do we keep um, having those stereotypes uh, against or just stereotypes of different types of voices? Yeah, I I don't know if I actually said that uh, because the the sad part is that when you look at what people actually do, they come up with stereotypes uh and they do come up with prejudices for whatever reason right but you're right there's no reason to uh you know make assumptions that have no basis in evidence when you know somebody's trying to do something good for the world like become a teacher or what have you right so yeah uh and that's actually another um thing i forgot to mention about the creaky voice is that they there is a study out there that looked at like how people respond to different voice qualities in like job interviews and mm-hmm. like young women using creaking voice were, were often evaluated as like less capable or less intelligent um, just because of that voice quality. Right. It, yeah. But yeah. So like the more you learn about the fact that it's not indicative of those things, the, you know, the better off you will be in life and, you know, sort of evaluating other people. Right. So, right. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that whole point up. Dushan. <laughs> no, no, that, that's that's the let's say the point of of talking a little bit about uh, not not just explaining why uh, or not just explaining these concepts and terms, but talking about them because uh, yeah, it's they they're not some of the prejudices are not based in in science on science. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. I, I think I think um, we have a great podcast here, and thank you for uh, for joining me in the in the studio in the radio station, which is uh, where we are at now, and hopefully uh, we can continue recording here. Sure. Yeah. So thanks for having me on. This is fun. So. Thanks. Thank you. That was a phenomenal, Doctor Stephen Winters. If you want to listen to the upcoming episodes of Linguistically Aware, make sure to stay tuned to CJSW 90.9 FM radio station. If you want to find out more about Calgary Linguistics, visit calgarylinguistics.ca.
If you want to find out more about myself, visit my homepage, D-U-S-A-N-N-I-K-O-L-I-C. If you want to find out more about Dr. Winters, you can check out uflinguistics.org. Thank you for listening, and please don't change the station. You know you're the right place.